0: The Sacramento Kings Ownership Group successfully spearheaded downtown Sacramento's revitalization, which by the end of 2018 had resulted in a hugely positive community impact and a downtown job increase of 38%. Now, can they leverage the Opportunity Zone incentive to replicate this success in similar markets across the country? The Bethal family are principal co-owners of the Sacramento Kings NBA franchise and have developed much of the sports and entertainment district in downtown Sacramento. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Alex Bethal, managing partner and founder of Raj Capital, the asset management platform of the Bethal family. He is also managing partner of Ravaz Capital, an Opportunity Zone fund that focuses on urban core development. Alex comes to us today from his office in Newport Beach, California. Alex. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Jimmy. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Alex, it's great to be speaking with you. Uh, you have a lot of experience deploying capital and in a lot of these Opportunity Zone areas, uh, specifically in, in Sacramento. And I know you've got a lot of projects uh, you're slating to start all around the country. And we'll get to that in a moment here. But but first, I want to go back to the beginning of when you first heard about this. So when did you first hear about Opportunity Zones and what were some of your initial thoughts?
1: Oh, great question. Uh, we were very early in the opportunity, in our knowledge of the Opportunity Zone space, uh, I actually have the email from, from my business partner and co-founder, Ryan Parkin. He sent me a memo on the Opportunity Zones back in February of 2018, so just a couple months after the law was passed as part of the 2017 um, Tax Reform Act, and my initial reactions were, uh, I would say, fairly dismissive. Oftentimes, we'll see different blurbs about tax schemes or strategies and, and uh, don't pay too much attention to them. After having a conversation with Ryan, however, I saw that this program was something much more substantive uh, and was a policy that I felt really could be impactful for our country. And that's what really prompted a deeper investment of time and energy into this space.
0: Well, that's great. That's That's interesting to know that you were skeptical at first, and now you're a huge champion of the program and you're helping other people become more aware of it as well and we'll get to that in a minute what you're doing to raise public awareness of it after some of that initial skepticism uh, i want to talk now though with you about Revoz capital uh, maybe you can give me a little bit of background on on that group uh tell me a little bit about the team and and the mission
1: sure so Revoz capital is a is a investment platform focused on opportunity investing in in real estate projects uh nationwide it began from that email, actually, that that I referred to uh, back in February of 2018 as an idea. I had already been doing business with uh, Ryan Parkin and and his group in, in real estate investments. And uh, Ryan and his other principal partner, uh, who became another co-founder of, of Ravaz, Tom Parnell. Uh, Ryan and Tom both came from institutional backgrounds, having worked in... in in private equity and then and as operators in commercial real estate. And you had mentioned my background. Uh, our family has been in the real estate business for uh, generations, really, since the 1940s, and recently came off of the Sacramento Development Project, in which the Kings were able to build a new arena in downtown Sacramento, and then on the adjacent land, there was a whole lifestyle commercial district built around sports and entertainment. So, given my background in, in real estate and on the development uh, development side, and uh, Ryan and Tom's background as capital allocators, uh, we began uh, developing our business plan for focusing on opportunity zone investing and created our firm called Revaz. Since that time, we got engaged on the policy side, uh, trying to understand what this five pages of law meant and, and how do you turn five pages of law into a executable investment program that can deliver financial results and, and impact to communities. Uh, and then pivoted towards investing. We closed our first transaction in March of 2019. Uh, and then last year, between uh, June and December, we raised our uh, we invested in, raised and closed our first multi-asset fund. Uh so now that pool of capital is allowing us to to make investments in opportunity zone projects and also we're we're focused on uh, building out and growing our team. Uh we have a team of about 10 dedicated individuals focused on this strategy and and like to think that we're uh doing a lot of good work uh in opportunity zones and and on the path to growth and scale uh, as as an investment firm.
0: That's great to hear that you've already closed out your first Opportunity Zone fund. Could could you talk to me about your main investment thesis? You have a lot of experience developing sports and entertainment districts, well, specifically the one in downtown Sacramento that you did for the Sacramento Kings, which happens to be in an opportunity zone. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that that development uh, was already completed before the uh, legislation was passed, so you were not able to take advantage of the tax benefits for that particular development. But uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about your investment thesis, what what you're looking to do all over the country.
1: Sure. So we saw with our own eyes how sports and, and events and entertainment can really help to drive... A change in urban environments, and and it's been really a joy to see what the Kings have been able to do as a group up in Sacramento, with the the new arena and the adjacent development, and really create a district that is a community asset that can drive economic growth and and be a be a, a joy to the community. It, it, we saw we saw the power of that, and we wanted to be able to draft off of those those experiences in other places in the country. Obviously, at Ravaz we're not going to be building arenas or doing anything at such a grand scale, but to the extent there are urban districts where there's sports and entertainment districts that are driving economic activity, especially as they're going through changes or upgrades or, or, or uh, new builds, then we want to be able to uh, facilitate that change in communities and that growth in communities by investing opportunity zone in capital uh, to to uh, help supercharge the growth.
0: Are there any specific locations you're at liberty to to speak about? What which which types of deals you're getting involved with?
1: Sure. So uh, in terms of uh, of markets. Uh, we are investing nationally. We focus on primary and secondary markets. So typically, uh, major league cities, they have sports teams, but they're not necessarily the New Yorks or the LA, LAs of the world. Uh, we like markets like, obviously, Sacramento, Austin, Texas, Charleston, Indianapolis, Denver, Phoenix. Markets like that are, are examples of where we where we are investing and where we would invest. We generally like urban core. Uh, and then with respect to acid types, uh, we're primarily multifamily or mixed use and office. Uh, we have seen some hospitality. We did one hospitality project. Uh, we're probably not going to go too aggressive in that category unless and until we we get through this kind of market dislocation and find, find some great opportunities in that area. Right.
0: And I, I want to speak more about that market dislocation toward the end of our discussion today. But for a minute here, I want to I shift gears and talk about public awareness of Opportunity Zones. And it's a topic that I bring up on this podcast pretty frequently. And it's actually one of the reasons why this podcast and my website, Opportunity Zones Database, exists, is to create additional public awareness, more education mm-hmm. of this great policy initiative, this Opportunity Zones initiative. Can you tell me a little bit about what you are doing, Alex, uh, and what Rev Capital is doing in terms of educating the public more about this program?
1: Sure. So, so like you said, uh, the Opportunity Zone program is is still very new. Although you've been in it a long time since since the beginning, we've been in it since the beginning. For the for the general public, it's still a brand new program. Last year, two thousand and nineteen was essentially the first year that you can invest because of the amount of time it took to get the regulations issued. Uh, last year was the first year that you could actually invest in an Opportunity Zone. 2020 is now here and with us, and at the same time, many people are not extremely familiar with the nuances of the program, how it works and what the benefits are, both from an investor perspective and from a, from a community perspective. So we think that, uh, Doing our job to educate about the program and what the goals are and and also the advantages uh, for investors are is paramount to the overall program success in, in ensuring that investors are comfortable uh, making investments in this space and also that developers are comfortable uh, utilizing opportunities on capital as they as they bring their the best projects to the capital markets. So what we've been doing specifically is hosting and/or participating in a series of events um, that are designed just to educate and, and expose the program to interested parties and stakeholders, whether they be developers, potential investors, uh, money managers, and community groups.
0: And you're you're hosting some quarterly lunch and learns too. Is that is that correct? And, and what, what, what type of participants are usually showing up at those?
1: uh we we do quarterly lunch and learns uh we've been uh, prior to covid we were doing doing that on the road and starting to do those in uh markets outside of home uh we've done it primarily in california um but also in in denver and and colorado and uh, two two events in colorado and some other places the participants in the in the events and the lunch and learns that we do uh, depends upon the market but typically they're uh the, the interest level in these in this program is is across the board like i mentioned you have investors money managers service providers such as lawyers and CPAs as well as developers community groups policymakers uh all of those uh and, and just other uh interested parties i i think uh what we've been able to do just to get the word out there has been helpful to us and also helpful to the the opportunity zone industry uh, overall.
0: Right. As I mentioned and as you mentioned as well, your your family has decades of history investing in real estate and you're an early participant in the opportunity zones program. You've closed your first opportunity zone fund, you're actively deploying capital to real opportunity zone projects. What advice do you give to investors and developers who you know may not have the level of expertise that you have, who are coming to to you at these lunch and learns or these other events? What what is some specific advice that that you have for these folks, many of whom may be listening to this podcast right now?
1: Uh, sure, good question. I, I would say oh, just to, to quote Kevin, uh, who works with us is one of our original team members, uh, he likes to use the term. Uh, measure five times and cut once Uh, this is a a a complicated space Uh, real estate in general real estate finance real estate investing has a level of complexity and then when you layer in uh, a tax component and an opportunity zone compliance perspective uh, it is complicated it's not too complicated but it's complicated enough where you don't want to you don't want to take shortcuts so i what i would recommend is partnering with people that you know, like, and trust, and getting sound advice from professional service providers who, who can educate on the pros and the cons and, 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 and really making sure that it's, it's the right program for you as an investor. Uh, it is a long-term capital commitment and there's nuances involved, so it's not for everybody.
0: Yeah, you got that right. I, I tell people all the time, you know, this, this might not work for you. You really have to, uh, you really have to dive in to the program and, and figure out if you've got the capital, if if your capital can be that patient, if you want to work in these locations, you know, it's it's definitely not for everyone, but, but if, if you are eligible for it and, and you feel like you can, you can stomach some of the hurdles you have to, to get over, it's, it's an absolutely incredible, uh, tax incentive really once in a generation or possibly even once in a lifetime.
1: And on that note, I just, I can add for one of the reasons why we're passionate about this space is 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 like you mentioned, we've been investing in in real estate for a long time, and our view on capital is is long term by nature anyways, so ten years for us is typical and and to the extent that this aligns the stakeholders in real estate projects, whether they be developers, investors. Uh, all the various people that come together to make a real estate project work, the the longer the time horizon, the more aligned uh, the incentives. So, having a long term, uh, a long term capital view on real estate projects, we think is beneficial. It's a it's good policy. It's good for the communities. It's good for the capital stack of a project. And it also mitigates some of the, the crazy ups and downs that can happen in real estate. When you're in something for the long haul, you care less about your, your the stock price at three o'clock on a Friday.
0: The noise doesn't bother you as much if you have a long-term view. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I want, want to talk to you about uh, CalOZ now, the uh, nonprofit group that advocates for stakeholders in California. You were one of the Founding members of that group, uh, which helps to advocate for opportunity zone policy in in the state of California. Could you give a little bit of background, uh, first of on on why you decided to form the group or back the group, and and second, secondarily, uh, what is the purpose of the group? What is it? What does it do exactly?
1: Sure. So uh, CalOZI was founded by Canal Merchant, who is a uh, longtime friend, super sharp guy. Harvard undergrad, Harvard MBA. Uh, worked had, had a particular focus in public-private partnerships and worked with a lot of uh, sports groups, including the Kings, in creating these urban core sports and entertainment districts anchored by arenas or stadiums. And. He and I, and he is a, a, a very sharp policy mind, and early on as this program was being created and, and, and as the regulations were coming into focus, we saw in California that there was not a group advocating for all the stakeholders. And one of the things that we found really interesting about this program is how it does bring sometimes competing interests to the same side of the table. By that, I mean uh, when you 're looking at a real estate project, or sometimes you have community groups fighting developers and capital fighting government process, uh, but in the opportunity zone space, you really have the opportunity to put everybody on the same side of the table, and community groups who who want capital who want impact in their community, of developers who who want to get the projects done in a in a manner that is consistent with a long term uh, hold. A viewpoint, you have investors who are motivated to bring capital in, and you have government agencies which are equally aligned in in getting projects green green, green lighted in an appropriate fashion so really that's what O Z is about is is bringing everybody together to the same side of the table to see how we can utilize the opportunity zone program to make positive impact in the state of california
0: no, I think it's great I think it's a great. Organization, from what I've heard about it, I know uh, California is a big state with a lot of stakeholders. So if you can wrangle all of them, getting them uh, rowing that boat all in the same direction, that would be uh, very helpful for the state. And at, at the same time, though, there there are a lot of headwinds that investors and developers face in terms of doing deals, doing opportunity zone deals specifically in California. A lot of opportunities as well. Maybe you can speak a little bit now to the pros and the cons of doing Opportunity Zone deals in California?
1: Sure. Well, I'll start with the pros. Uh, there's, I believe, over 800 Opportunity Zones out of the 8,700 that, that are in California. So approximately 10% of the Opportunity Zones in, in the whole country are in California. And there's some really great areas of, of uh, po- potential investment whether they be inner core like we're talking about or even some suburban markets have some some good zones that are highly investable uh, as, well, as well as in the for example central valley which uh we hear a lot about the investment opportunities in in silicon valley and san francisco and la uh but the the central valley of california has been overlooked in many ways over the last uh economic cycle and investment into those areas, uh, if if they can be incentivized through a program like Opportunity Zones, it could be really attractive. That being said, there also are some big uh, headwinds in California that make, at least from our perspective, investing here uh, a bit harder the California state tax code uh, does not conform with the federal code. So while while investors would earn the uh, federal tax benefits here in California, they would not be eligible for similar state tax benefits. So that makes uh, a higher hurdle rate and it makes investing harder in projects if you look at projects on a net after-tax basis.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty big Headwind It's actually come up on this podcast in a few previous episodes. Are there any efforts underway to have the state legislature produce some state law that would that would allow conformity with the with the federal benefit?
1: the uh, Governor Newsom is on record as being supportive of the opportunity Zone program last year uh in his budget proposal uh there there was a limited conformity uh which he uh supported. It did not make it through the legislature. Uh, We'll see this year, in this year's budget proposal, there also is a call for conformity in a limited manner. Uh, We will see what happens. I'm not super optimistic, uh, but to the extent that groups like Cal OZ can can get involved in the process and and educate policymakers around the benefits of the program and how it can positively impact communities, uh, we're certainly supportive of, of, of that effort.
0: Yeah, that would be a step in the right direction, at least if uh, even a limited conformity could go through. A, a, a limited, how is it? Is it by? I, I believe it's by by asset type. Only specific types of assets would qualify: affordable housing or or green projects. Potentially, is that is that right?
1: That was the original proposal from last year, and um, we'll see how it evolves.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll have to badge you about that. Uh, as the as the months pass here, and you, maybe you can provide some updates for me. I'd, I'd love to see California get on board, even if it's in a uh, limited form. You know, we we you mentioned earlier some dislocation in in the marketplace, and you know, right now we're we're recording this podcast episode in in late April. Much of the country uh, still under stay-at-home orders due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Although we are beginning to see some reopening, or at least plans for reopening some areas of the country, uh, over the next, uh, few weeks here, uh, as we're looking out into, into May. Uh, but Alex, what, what has been the impact of the pandemic on the opportunity zone marketplace? And, uh, do you see any, I know there's obviously a lot of challenges uh, that, that the pandemic has posed, but do you see any opportunities or any light at the end of the tunnel as a result of this?
1: Boy, well, what a month it's been. Uh, we're, really hopeful that we can get to the the end of the crisis here and, and back to a new new normal, whatever that looks like. Uh, in terms of how that impacts the opportunity zone space, well, I guess first I'll just kind of start with how it impacts us. At, at Revaz, we're very fortunate. As I mentioned, we, uh, we raised and closed our, our first multi-asset fund at the end of last year, so uh, we're fortunate to be mostly sitting on cash. Uh, and fortunate in that, none of our investments that we have made are are in a distressed situation, so at least from our perspective, we think the uh dislocation um, that's that 's and the chaos of the real estate market today, and not to spend too much time on kind of all the implications of that, but what it we believe it will lead to is is better entry points into projects and investments. Um, clearly uh, values are are uh, different today than they were uh, even just 6 weeks ago and the tumult in the uh, real estate market will continue uh, we believe for the the balance of the year and and that will allow allow us to make investments at uh, more reasonable valuations and have better entry points into into projects uh yeah, i think it goes to kind of the bigger picture of kind of a venture capital philosophy of vintage year Uh, it's it's probably better to be investing at the bottom of a market cycle than at the very tip top of a market cycle so just from a basic economic and investment perspective people who make investments now will be have a higher likelihood of of being better off versus investing it in peak times in terms of what it means for the Opportunity Zone program specifically, uh, I think there's some interesting policy changes that are happening um, at, the, at the DC level that that will provide, once, once the education is out there, that, that will provide um, opportunities uh, for investors, uh, such as some of the changes to the investment periods. For investors who have gains, um, there's been some changes that have been favorable. Most investors who have gains, call it from the fourth quarter of last year until now, have uh, windows to invest that have been extended until basically middle of July. Corporations or entities that received K1 gains have potentially up until the end of September. So there's, there's a longer investment period also, uh, at the at the fund level, the funds now have an extension to their significant improvement test, which basically means if projects take a little longer, then uh, there won't be penalties back to the funds for the the dollars not being put to work um, uh, quick enough and and hopefully this will will lead to some sort of legislative uh, improvements to the program and maybe some extensions of some some dates um, on the on the taxes one area that that is of particular interest to us is is trying to understand how uh, the CARES Act, which was recently passed, and some of the tax law changes that occurred uh, as part of that program, when combined with the Opportunity Zone program, um, potentially could be could be meaningful for some people.
0: Yeah, a lot to a lot to think about there. Definitely some advantageous changes for folks looking to. Do some Opportunity Zone Investing. Do you anticipate that there may also be an increased demand for Opportunity Zone investing here over the next several months? As I th- my theory is two things are going to happen. One, there will be more public awareness of this program just as time goes, goes on, just organically, this program will just seep into the minds of of different investors and their advisors. But also, two, a lot of investors may have participated in the mark in the stock market sell-off. Uh, toward the end of February, beginning of March, and suddenly they find themselves with massive capital gains in some cases, and Opportunity Zones offers an interesting strategy for capital gains deferral and and mitigation. W- what are your thoughts on that? Does my theory hold any water there, that, that there may be increased demand for Opportunity Zones uh, in the third quarter this year, potentially?
1: I, I think you're right, and we've heard that from, from our network, uh, talking to investors who uh, who, who did sell uh, in during the down uh, during the sell-off in in March? Um, in some cases, they were doing tax-loss harvesting, buying some things and selling some things. Uh, but to the extent that they generated gains because they were participants of the the long market run-up up until until March, uh, they they will have capital gains that, if not uh, redeployed into opportunity zone funds, uh, would ordinarily be be taxable so we think that'll be motivating for some people Uh, and and also uh, I've been reading quite a bit about how uh, in situations like this one of the one of the the best things we can do from a policy perspective as a as a country is build if you build uh, especially in in areas that historically haven't seen a lot of capital investment uh, that, that need capital more than others, that have been uh, hurt harder due to this COVID crisis than other places. You'll create construction jobs. You'll create more economic activity, and, and, and it'll be—it has the potential to be uh, one, one of the uh, bright spots coming out of the crisis of, of uh, what we can do as a country—is is get back to building things. And and opportunity zones could be a very powerful uh, program to help facilitate uh, the, the creation of a building mindset back in this country.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Opportunity zones seems like it uh, falls right in line with uh, that very that very concept of uh, building in, especially in areas that have uh, traditionally lacked capital. I, I I think you're right there. Well, Alex, this has been great. Thank you for offering your perspective on the show today. I appreciate the expertise and the experience that, that you've brought today. Uh, before we go, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Revoz?
1: Sure. Th- thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me today. Revaz. we can be found on our website, revozcapital.com. Uh, we're also on uh, social media. I believe we have LinkedIn and, and Instagram, so uh, you can find us there as well.
0: Good. Well, perfect, Alex. And for our listeners out there, I will have show notes on the Opportunity Zones database website for today's episode. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And on that show notes page, you'll find links to all of the resources that Alex and I discussed on today's show. And I'll be sure to link to Ravaz and O Z and their associated social media accounts as well. Alex, again, thanks for joining me today. This has been great.
1: Thanks so much, Jimmy.
0: That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund Investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com slash podcast.
1: And we'll be back soon with another episode.